Just like a muscle, here we will grow stronger for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. So please, brothers and sisters, join me here at Jacked for Jesus. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to Jacked for Jesus. My name is Andrew Kufal, and today we will be continuing the series Fruits and Promises, which I've been working on over the last couple of weeks. Today we are, st- we are starting day five, and the fruits I will be talking about today is gentleness, and the promise we're going to be talking about is the Holy Spirit's power. And that in itself is something that I could do a whole series on, because that's a very complex promise that God offers us. But I hope to touch on these topics a little bit today, and hopefully... Um, clarify and bring some more understanding to these um, to these aspects of the faith. So before I start getting to scripture today, um, I will go ahead and pray. Um, Lord, I pray that everyone listening would be touched and encouraged today with your scriptures and teachings, Lord. I pray that you would bless our time together and that this episode may bring your name, glory, honor, and praise. I pray, Lord, that you Remind us that everything is in your control and that we, as your children, cannot be removed from your hand. Thank you, Lord, for your Son, Jesus Christ, and thank you for your infinite and eternal grace, love, joy, and peace. And Lord, I just ask that you that you that you would remind us of your truths, that your Holy Spirit would would remind us and teach us and lead us, Lord, in this time together. And Lord, I ask that you would just bless uh, that you would bring salvation to all of the lost souls around the world, um, in Israel and Palestine and Ukraine and Russia and everywhere in the world where people need you, Lord. And that's the entire planet. Every soul, everybody that is living right now needs you, Lord. I just pray that you would touch us and encounter us and, and, um, make your presence known, Lord. Um, Holy Spirit, please come before me and ahead of me in this time. Um, May everybody listening hear your truths, um, not my opinion, um, but your word, Lord, the word of God. I pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, everybody. um, Today I will be reading from Acts 1, and then I'm going to incorporate a couple of other verses in our topic today. Um, So everybody that's... um, Reading along, I'm just going to start in the very beginning, Acts 1, and read it all the way through. And uh, we'll, t- we'll touch on some stuff and just uh, go from there. Okay, Acts chapter 1, the promise of the Spirit. In the first book, Theopolis, I dealt with all that Jesus did and taught until the day he was taken up after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them by many proofs after he had suffered, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While meeting with him, he enjoined them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father about which you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but in a few days he will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Ascension of Jesus when they had gathered together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He answered them, 
It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has established by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him from their sight. While they were looking intently at the sky as he was going, suddenly two men dressed in white garments stood beside them. They said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking at the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will return in the same way as you have seen him going into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which was near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. The first community in Jerusalem. When they entered the city, they went to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and, Ma- and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these devoted themselves with one accord to prayer, together with some women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. During these days, Peter stood up in the midst of the brothers. There is a group of about 120 persons in the one place. He said, My brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who was the guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. He brought a parcel of land with the wages of his iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his insides spilled out. This became known to everyone who lives in Jerusalem, so that the parcel of land was called in their language, Akadama, or Akeldama, that is, field of blood, for it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his encampment become desolate, and may no one dwell in it, and may another take his office. Therefore, it is necessary that one of the men who accompanied us the whole time the Lord Jesus came and went among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day on which he was taken up from us, become with us a witness to his resurrection. So they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was known as Justus and Matthias. When they prayed, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostle apostolic ministry from which Judas turned away to go to his own place. Then they gave lots to them, and the lots fell upon Matthias, and he was counted with the eleven apostles. Okay, I think I might, I think I will read a little bit of chapter two, um, just looking ahead. I think it applies with um, the promise I'm going to be speaking about today. Um, But before I do that, I want to touch on some of the things in chapter 1 of Acts. And the first one being, this first section in Acts, the very beginning of chapter 1, it speaks about um, the promise Jesus made about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that has a lot of implications for us as children of God. Um, But I just want to touch on this for a second. This is verse 5 for everyone following along. I'm just going to highlight that real quick. And Jesus makes the comparison to um, John baptizing the water, in water. So he would baptize people in the Jordan in the Jordan River basically as like a public decorate, declaration of them giving their their lives to God. 
And what Jesus is saying is that similar to that, um, Jesus is going to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. And when he says that, he basically means when we as believers like give our heart to Jesus, we give our lives to God, um, we devote ourselves to Jesus and we believe who he is and what he's done, and we receive the gospel message and we store it in our hearts, that we as believers get sealed in the Holy Spirit. We get baptized or anointed in the Holy Spirit. And all of these different words can be used for it. And, and they're all true. They all just kind of emphasize different aspects of what that looks like. And so through this whole series, I've been talking about the Holy Spirit because it's it's central to everything. Um, but this is Jesus actually promising that the Holy Spirit was going to come um, and, and we would be baptized in it. And the apostles didn't necessarily know what this was going to look like, but they knew that this promise was going to happen. And right after that, um, Jesus ascended, which is also important because this is the foundation of one of our beliefs as Christians, which is that um, Jesus, Jesus one rose from the dead. That's his time. Um, after he, after he was crucified, he came back and appeared to the apostles um, and that happened just before this. So if you guys want to look into that, um, you can through, read through like the, the last couple of chapters of John. And that describes that a little bit more in depth. But he was he was showing himself to his, his apostles, to his disciples to show that he um, did rise from the dead and that he was like physically like flesh and blood, flesh and blood. He he wasn't just like a ghost. He was actually there. Um, and Thomas touched him. Thomas touched his hands and his, um, the hole in his hands, the hole in his side. Anyway, that's a tangent, but he, he was physically there. And this is portraying Jesus ascending into heaven, which is important because we believe as Christians that we will share in that inheritance, that we will rise from the, from the dead, and that we will have a home in heaven that the father has prepared a place for us as children of God. So this is important. This is very important. And it also talks about how we will we will be witnesses. Oh, he, so he's telling the he's telling the apostles, "You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the, into the earth." And as children of God, we are counted in that. We are called to be witnesses. Um, and that's part of the reason we still baptize with water now. Some people think that you need to be baptized in water to be saved, and that's not true. All you need to be saved is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But being baptized with water is another public declaration, just like it was with John, John the Baptist. It's a public declaration of our faith, and it can be a witness, can be a testimony to other people who may, who may not be believers. And so that's, that's part of the reason we still do that now. Um, oh, and then it talked about kind of this fellowship with the apostles and how they, um, prayed to the Lord and fulfilled prophecy concerning Judas, um, to elect another apostle. And that was Matthias. And now this next, next little section of Acts 2, I think does a really good job of, of talking about, showing a little bit more about the Holy Spirit's power. 
So just bear with me. I'm going to read a little bit here of chapter 2 and just speak on that promise a little bit more. Okay. Acts chapter 2, the coming of the Spirit. When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then they appeared, oh, then there appeared to them tons as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in different tongues, as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Now there were devout Christ, uh, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven, staying in Jerusalem. At this sound they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded, and in amazement they asked, Are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then how does each of us hear them in his own native language? We are Parthians, um, Medes, Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya near Cyrene, as well as travelers from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues, of the mighty acts of God. They were all astounded and bewildered and said to one another, What does this mean? But others said, scoffing, They have had too much new wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, You who are Jews, indeed all of you staying in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. These people are not drunk as you suppose. For it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. It will come to pass in the last days, God says, that I will pour out a portion of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Indeed, upon my servants and my handmaids, I will pour out a portion of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will work wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, and a cloud of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and splendid day of the Lord. And it shall be that everyone shall be saved who calls on the name of the Lord. And I think I'm going to stop right there, just for the sake of time. Um... But all of you who are listening, if you want to keep reading through Acts 2, this is really good. Um, I mean, all of the Bible is really good. Um, but there's so much in Acts, especially in the beginning of Acts, that is really good. And it's also a testimony to how God is still working through his apostles and his disciples um, then and now. So um, if you have time or you're curious, I would suggest reading that. But today we're talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit's power. And I think the beginning of Act two, uh, Acts 2 helps show that more clearly. So I'm going to just try to t- take it one step at a time. Um, and the first step of that would be Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was um, this event that took place, and it's, and it's described here right now in Acts chapter 2. And what it was is all these believers were in this like house. It was all these apostles and all these other, all these other disciples. 
and the Holy Spirit like came in like a rushing wind. Um, it the Bible describes this, and suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and then tons like like tons or little flames of fire descended upon all of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And and God could have just slept at that and said they're filled with the Holy Spirit, like they're secure. They're baptized with the Holy Spirit, but he didn't. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and began to speak in different tongues as the spirits enabled them to proclaim. This is one of the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit can give us as believers. And at Pentecost, um, this occurred. Everyone who was um, baptized in the Holy Spirit at this at this at the at the Pentecost, the Bible describes them as beginning to speak in different tongues. And I, I want to talk about this for a second. Some people or some Christians talk about speaking in tongues, and and they say everyone everyone can speak in tongues. Like if you're if you're a Christian and you're not speaking in tongues, like you're doing something wrong. And <laughs> um, I don't quite agree with that. Like, I don't think as Christians, if we haven't spoken in tongues, that is a bad thing. Um, I think it's something we should strive for in private. And Paul talks about more, talks more about that in his epistles. And I can certainly get into that at some point. But what I want you guys to know about speaking in tongues is that it's not just gibberish. It's not just like some random language or just random sounds coming out of your mouth. In this moment at Pentecost, they said they began to speak in tongues. They began speaking in different tongues, and they, and they weren't and, and people could understand them. It wasn't just some random language. It just it wasn't just some random blabbering. They were speaking languages that was not their own. They had no idea what they were saying. But all of these other people, I think it listed off like thirteen different places, were all coming here. And they were saying, like, these Galileans were speaking our language. And at, at this time, like, the Galileans would kind of be, like, comparable to, like, um, like, living deep in, like, the country or something. You come out, you got, like, a nice, strong, thick, like, Texan or a southern accent um, talking to, like, someone from the UK. Like, the, the accents are so distinct. The languages are so distinct that for this to happen is not natural it is completely supernatural it is completely the grace of god and they weren't just saying random stuff in their language either they were speaking the wonders and the mighty acts of god it says yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues their own languages of the mighty acts of god so even though these apostles who were um speaking in different tongues who were speaking in tongues didn't know what they were saying all of these other people, all these other believers did. They could hear and understand them. Um, and I think this is important because, because the, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't just that. Like it, it was. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were, they were sealed in God. Like they were, they were saved. They had salvation. All these other things. Like it just goes back to all these other promises of, of, of God that we're talking about. But it came with a sign. And a lot of time the Holy Spirit acts like it, it doesn't. Uh, I think a lot of times when really miraculous things like this happen, it comes with a sign, some sort of sign. 
And it always connects back to the gospel. And that's what we see here happening right now. Um, And how this connects to us as Christians now is we have to acknowledge that as Christians, um, again, when, when we've given ourselves to Christ, when we know who he is and what he's done, we believe it with an open heart. We we, we we store the gospel in our hearts. It's a treasure. When we're there and we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have also been given power. And I want to make a couple things clear. This is not a power we can control. It's We can't just sit down and say, I'm going to prophesy right now. Or I'm going to speak in tongues right now. Or I'm going to bring someone back to life right now. Or all these other things. Like these spiritual gifts, these spiritual signs and wonders that happen when we're filled with the Holy Spirit is not of our own doing. It's Christ, it's Jesus, it's the Lord working through us. And I also, I, and I want to clarify that on a little bit more. Jesus promises in, 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 Acts, in Acts 1 that we be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, when Pentecost happened, it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to make a clarification. I believe that these are two different things. I think that when we are, when we have been saved, when we believe the gospel message, just like I've been talking about, that we have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. We are saved. We're sealed in the Lord's Holy Spirit. Um, we're, we're held securely in God's hand. No one can No one can take us out. Like we're secure. We've been justified, we're being sanctified, we will be glorified. All through the grace of God, all through Jesus Christ's work on the cross. But here at Pentecost, the scripture says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that this is a different thing. I I think, and I don't quote me on this, but most of the time when I see verbiage like that, like uh, sometimes it says that they're, um, like they're baptized with the Holy Spirit, they're anointed with the Holy Spirit. But a lot, a lot of the times when the Scripture says that they were they were filled with the Holy Spirit, when that verb is different, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it it, it seems to come along with signs and wonders, and, and these miraculous testimonies that that adds credibility to the gospel message, right? And so I want to make it clear as believers that these these are different things. That that. That through the through through resting in the Holy Spirit, through believing in Jesus, through resting in God's promises, that we as Christians have the capability of being filled with the Holy Spirit and doing miraculous signs and wonders, um, and we should desire that. We shouldn't desire more than um, knowing God's heart or knowing God. But as Christians, it's not unbiblical or unholy to desire. Um, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think it's something we should pray for. I think we should pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us and use us however the Holy Spirit wants us to be used. That we should submit ourselves to God in that way. But I also think that as Christians, if we've never done a sign or wonder, um, like healing or prophesying or visions or dreams, whatever it is, if we haven't done that, that doesn't mean we're not a Christian because we are a Christian by being baptized with the Holy Spirit, by believing in Jesus Christ and what he's done. And, and I think, and I think the scriptures say this too, that being filled with the Holy Spirit is just another step in that journey. I think it comes from 
um, believing in God's promises and and resting in God's promises and obedience and being submissive and obedience to God, and and it's and it's God's choice. He he chooses who he fills with the Holy Spirit, who he uses, and how he uses them. But it's always going to help, and, and it's always going to be to build up the church and, and to and to proclaim the gospel message. And I say that because there's kind of a movement, and it's and it's part of the New Age movement. It's part of the Pentecostal movement that we we that we have control of these signs and wonders. And then there's some people that say these signs and wonders are for us to have, for us to control. It's all about us. We can control it. We got to use it how we want. And I, I'm here to say that I don't, I don't think that's how it is. And I don't, I, I, the Bible doesn't speak about it like that. It's always meant to build up the gospel message, build up the people sharing the gospel message. And it's always to serve God's purpose. I just want to make that clear. So as believers, we do have the Holy Spirit's power dwelling with inside of us. I mean, we know that we know the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, that we are God's temple. But but it's not up to us. It's not up to us to dictate how the Holy Spirit works through us. The Holy Spirit's always in us. It's always leading us and guiding us, teaching us, reminding us of his word. But it is not up to us. When or how the Holy Spirit does signs and wonders or not. It's not up to us to dictate when or how the Holy Spirit fills us. But we know that the Holy Spirit's always with us as Christians. That God's always with us and intimate with us and personal and close. And that we we are His church. We are His temple. And so I just wanted to separate these two aspects of the Holy Spirit's power. We have the Holy Spirit's power even without doing signs of wonders. When we share the gospel, when we share our testimony, when we um, proclaim God's God's glory, when we praise God, um, that comes with the Holy Spirit's authority. The Holy Spirit will back us up um, to help us share the truth. It will strengthen the truth. It will strengthen the words that we are speaking and make it have more of an effect and because 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 it's not necessarily our words i mean sometimes it's our words but it's all it's all meant to point back to the gospel or it's all meant to point back to god the the, the holy spirit's power and authority is still helping us with that and that's not necessarily a sign or wonder i i i would i would go far enough to say it's a wonder like if you've listened to someone preach and they just really get into it and they're like and you you can just tell that the holy spirit's working through them at that moment that's amazing. Like they're, they're being filled with the Holy Spirit to proclaim the gospel, to help them in, in preaching. And so the Holy Spirit works in so many different ways. And I just wanted to clarify that if you feel like you haven't done a sign of wonder before, that you're, you can still, you're still a Christian. <laughs> you can still be a Christian. And that it's a little bit more complex than just saying, I have the Holy Spirit so I can do everything that God does. Like that's, that's not true. In fact, as Christians who 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 have the Holy Spirit dwelling with inside of us, we are not in control of the Holy Spirit. If anything, we should submit ourselves to be to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I think I think that's the difference of perspective and and, and viewpoint when it comes to 
how the Holy Spirit works through us and with us is we should not be trying to control the Holy Spirit and and how and how the Lord works. We should be submitting to the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit control us. I think that's the difference. And out of that standpoint, it opens us up to be able to be used by God in amazing ways. But it comes from submission and obedience and out of a deep love and knowing of God, a deep love and understanding of God. And that comes through time and sanctification and being deep in God's word. Um, yeah, I kind of <laughs> went off there for a second. Um, but I think that's important to distinction as Christians. Um, and even myself, I was kind of caught in this trap of like, why isn't there more signs and wonders around the world? Like, we know that God can 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 use his people this way. And, and I think that if we don't believe God can use us that way, then we kind of inhibits, inhibit how God can work through us because he won't go against our free will. So it should be our will to be submissive to God, to be controlled by God and to, to obey God. And through that, God can, God can work through us. But God can also use what we do for good no matter no matter what we do because he can use everything for good he can use everything for his purpose uh, and i spoke i've i've spoken about that in one of the previous uh episodes if you want to hear more about that um to clarify let me just i'm going to scroll through my notes and see if i missed anything i think i think i covered the promise of the holy spirit's power um, and we know the Holy Spirit's power can surface and express itself in a lot of different ways. Um, but again, that's not for us as Christians to, to, to dictate. It's us as Christians to um, be to submit to God, to obey his commandments, to obey him, and to desire to love him and know him intimately and to, to, and to love one another intimately. Um that that's that's the two greatest commandments that God has given us, and I think that should that that's in the gospel, which kind of going together in my opinion. That should that should be your focus of, of loving God as much as we can and knowing God as much as we can, and loving one another and serving one another um, through our actions, through works, through deeds, and by spreading the gospel. And, and I think we should focus on that more than we should focus on signs and wonders because i think if we focus on that signs and wonders will come in with that just just like just like we were talking about here like it always comes in with the gospel and it should always be it should always be and and it's it's always used to uh build up the purpose of the gospel so it's always hand in hand with god's word with god's intentions i think that's important to clarify and I want to read a verse, um, Matthew 7, 7. It says, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. I read this verse because if we have a desire for God to work through us in amazing ways, I think to get there, we have to understand that we desire that and to pray to God to say, I have this desire sitting in my heart, but I don't want it to overpower my desire to love you, to serve you, 
to know you, to know your word, to love other people, and to ask God to help us maneuver that situation. And also to ask God to show us how how to bring revival. If we want these signs and wonders to surface in our lives, in the lives of the church, to build up the church, I I think we should just ask for that. If that's something we're seeking, then I think we should pray. And if we're coming at it from a good heart, from an honest heart, God will answer. And even if we're not coming at it from an honest heart, um, God will give us the answer we need. So I think as Christians, it's easy to get into this conversation and leave God out of it. I think if this is something we're thinking about, I think if it's something that um, we're really passionate about or if we're uh, confused about, um, we should always take it back to God in prayer, petition, thanksgiving. And that's why I say that we should ask, that we should seek, and we should knock to God, with God. And God will answer. God will, God will help us find what He wants us to find. He'll, he will open the doors he wants, he, he wants us to walk through. But we also, have to, we also have to take a step back and not walk through every door, every door that's opened up to us. God will give us answers. God will help us find. God will open doors to us. But we also have to, as Christians, we have to be careful that to make sure that the, that the things God is leading us to is really God and not the adversary. And as we read the word more, as we know God more, it will be easier to 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 to, to decipher, to discern. Um, but that doesn't mean that we um, take advantage of every opportunity given to us because sometimes. Uh, it's not being obedient to what God wants for us to, to just go through every do- every door. And that's why I think it's even more important to make sure that we're asking God for these things, not asking the world, um, sometimes not even asking each other. I think the, the, the person we should go to first is God, always should be God, to the Lord. And then we should honestly and urgently ask him, and seek him and, and 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 knock for the doors he has for us. That's not always going to be the easy way, but we know it's the best way for us, the best way for the church. Um and that and our our Lord's the perfect father. He gives good gifts to his children, that he loves his children and wants good for his children, that we can trust in that. And then we can rest in the promises given to us by the Holy Spirit. And with that encouragement, with that reassurance of what Jesus taught us, what the scriptures teach us, that we can approach God. Um, and I just, I just wanted to encourage you guys with that, to, to, to remember that. If there's something that you're uh, stressed about or concerned about or interested about, whatever it is, if you feel your heart tugged that way, like I have been recently, that we should go to God for the answers. And that he will answer us in prayer. He will answer us just how he moves us in our lives if we let him. And by his scriptures, we can always, we should always go back to the word of God that we know is the word of God. That we can pick up a Bible and just be amazed that we have God's word in our hands. That's how, we, how much we should treasure the Bible. Treasure his word. Okay, uh, wrapping up that. I think I I touched on the promise of the Holy Spirit's power um, pretty well.
it was it was a big promise to go over so i i appreciate you guys's patience um and i hope i was transparent with um with all of that now i want to talk about um the fruits of today which is gentleness um so i'm going to read a scripture uh not a scripture a verse here this is john 330 it says he must become greater and greater and i must become less and less now when i says he means uh the lord the lord must become greater and greater and i must become less and less and i think this ties into gentleness a lot and i wanted to speak about gentleness um to kind of not contrast, but emphasize the nature of God's power. God is powerful. God is the, he is power. He is truth. He is the way, the truth, and life. He is perfect love, joy, peace, and grace, and mercy, and tenderness, and compassion, and perfectly just, perfectly righteous. And as his children, he does grant us power. But, it's not our power, it's his power. And I want to emphasize that everything we have is not ours. We have nothing. Everything that we think we have is really God's. Our time is God's. Our life is God's. Our emotions are God's. Every physical belonging we have isn't really ours, it's God's. All of our money is God's. All of our food is God's. We are just stewards of all of it. And God is just gracious to let us eat the food that is his. To live in the, in, in the world that is his. To have life and free will when, it's, when, when, when we're his creation. To fill us with love and joy and peace and grace. Uh, and, and to anoint us with the Holy Spirit when it's his. When it's Jesus. But he is so gracious to give that to us. And that's why it's, it's important for us to be gentle. And gentleness isn't just being like uh, scared or weak. That's not what I mean by saying gentle. When I mean gentle, I mean recognizing our position compared to God. I mean recognizing that we are just dust. We're death without the Lord. That we would burn in hell without God. That we'd just be a, t- a pile of dust uh, on the earth. We just be dust. But because of God, he's breathed life into us. And every day we wake up, every hour that goes by, he's still breathing life into us. He's still sustaining us. He's still being gracious to us. Every moment of our life, he's being gracious to us. Every moment that we uh, live with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, that's his grace. And so as believers, I think we need to remember that, 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 that the Lord is our Lord. He's our God. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of hosts. And that we are his children, that we should we should act like his servants. Paul talks about that. He starts almost every letter. He says, I'm a prisoner of the gospel. I'm a servant of the gospel. I'm a slave of the gospel. And I think that's how we should approach it as Christians. That we should seek to be servants of, of God. We should seek to obey God in, in whatever he asks of us and we should if we should have gentleness in our lives and we should we should be gentle with other people and I'm and, and meekness and humbleness comes in with that 
I don't think we should just strut around saying, oh, I'm going to heaven and you're not. Or, or acting high and mighty because we've been saved. Because we're no better than everyone else. As Christians who have been saved, we're no better than everyone else in this world. And if we are, it's because God has made us that way. Or because God dwells in us. It's not anything that has to do with ourselves. It has to do with God. And so without God, we would just be like everyone else. Sinners going to hell. And I think with that mindset, we should be gentle with everybody. We should seek to love everybody, love our enemies. They, if they smack your right cheek, turn your other your other cheek. They ask you for your if you, if they ask you for your cloak, give them your shirt as well. If they ask you to uh, work for a mile, work for two miles. We're called to be gentle. I think, especially with today's topic about how the Holy Spirit's power can express ourselves, that we really, really need to remember that one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is gentleness. It's gentleness. And um, I want to emphasize that it's not weakness. Weakness would, would like infer that we're walking in fear or worry, discouragement. As Christians, I don't think we should be fearful. We shouldn't be discouraged. We should... Uh, rely completely depend on God and His promises, and and His and, and His faith, His grace. Um, and we can completely rely on that. So I don't think we should walk in fear. We should walk with a a, a, a spirit of of faith and truth and victory. But that doesn't mean we should be all high and mighty either. We should we should be humble and meek and remember our position. Uh, towards God and act that way. And so it's, it looks like as Christians, it looks like being gentle and meek, but also strong and patient and faithful and submissive to the Lord. Um, Yeah. What else do I have to say? And, and the whole purpose of gentleness is, is, for it has to do with the, it go, all goes back to the gospel. If, if, if one of the fruits of the of Holy Spirit, and it is, is gentleness, that means that means that it, it's a testimony or witness that, to God's character. And we know that God is very gentle with his children. If he wasn't, um, he, he would lash out on us the second that we sin. And so we know that gentleness is part of God's character. And, and God calls us to be conformed to Jesus' image. And, and if Jesus was gentle, God is gentle, we should be that way too. Um, to serve others, to help save others, um, to, to help other people have salvation, and to spread the truth, to spread the gospel, the good news. And so this gentleness helps us to serve and save and encourage others. Um, yeah, it, it, it's the Lord calling us to be like the low, the low, the low, the lowest, the lowliest servant, um, to act in gentleness and humbleness, um, because what we have, um, where we're going is only by the grace of God. Now we should, we should seek to to help other people find that to find what we have, and I want to emphasize again: this is this is a fruit that is cultivated by the Holy Spirit. The more we submit to God, the more we obey God, the more we love and know God, and the more we are known by God, 
the more this fruit will develop in our lives and will express itself in our lives um, by the grace of the Holy Spirit. I just want to emphasize that. And I also want to encourage everybody listening to think of ways, or I'm sorry, to think of to think of times in the past when we weren't gentle, when we weren't gentle with ourselves or with other people, um, more so with other people, ways we weren't gentle with other people, and how that negatively impacted our uh, the situation or or our conversation, whatever it was. And I want you, I want you guys to think of ways we can be more gentle in our everyday lives, and, and ways we can call less attention to ourselves um, in unnecessary ways. To think of ways we can, uh, in a sense, be less um, attention seeking, to be more serving, be more gentle to others, um, and ways we can serve others more. I hope that question makes sense. I just, I want you guys to think about that. How can we be more gentle? How can we call less attention to ourselves? And how can we better serve the people around us? Um, and and just think of little ways that uh, we can do that. And again, make sure it's ways that uh, checks out with the scriptures, that checks out with the Bible. Um, but just think of little ways, little steps we can take so that we can be uh, we can we can be better at being gentle. We can be better at um, serving others, and we can be better at uh, calling less attention to ourselves. Um, so we can just take little steps in that direction in our in our walk with God. Well, that was a lot, guys. <laughs> I appreciate everyone that's still listening, um, and I hope I didn't overwhelm you too much, but I just want to leave you to think on those questions, and I will um, pray us out real quick. I hope you guys uh, sincerely think about what I talked about today. Um, to think about how the the Lord's tugging on your heart and to think about the questions I asked and just um, let God um, help, help you find those answers. Again, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, and knock and the door will be open to you. Um, with that, I, I'll pray us out. Lord, I thank you for um, helping me speak in this time, in this episode. I thank you, Lord, for all of your grace and mercy. I thank you, Lord, for giving us grace to help us when we need it most, Lord. I I thank you, Lord, that you are so merciful and gracious that you let us um, come to the throne, uh, your throne, Lord, come to your throne. Thank you, Lord, for, for saving us through Jesus Christ, Lord. Thank you for giving us our daily bread and helping us fight temptation, help us run it away from temptation, and um, saving us from the evil one, from protecting us from the evil one, Lord. Thank you for saving your lost sheep, Lord. Thank you for securing us in your hands. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us securely in your sheepfold so that no one can take us, no one can take us back out, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would bring revival to um all the states that everybody listening is in right now, to the United States, to the to the country, um, to the world as whole, bring spiritual revival, Lord. Uh, if it is your will, Lord, bring signs and wonders around around the world to testify to your gospel, to testify to your grace, Lord, to testify to your glory, Lord. 
I ask, Lord, that your will be would be done in our lives and not our own. That you can help show us ways to submit and to obey. Say so your will is done, Lord, not our own. Remind us, Lord, that we are just children. We are just servants. That you are the perfect father. That what you have for us is infinitely better than what we have for ourselves. And that you are the path of life. And that everything else is, is the highway to destruction, Lord. Thank you for this time. I, I ask that you bless everybody listening right now. And encourage them and fill them with your love, joy, and peace. And encounter them in supernatural and miraculous ways, Lord, and save their souls. I pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, guys. I should be back soon for day six of this series. Um, and we'll go from there. Thanks for listening.